On this episode of the podcast, Josh tells us about how one team put their faith in the wrong player, and it cost them a Hall of Famer. Ooh. I mean, that's a lot of teams doing that. Yeah, but you'll like this one. I'll like this one? You'll like this one. All right, all right. Am I not being bullied this time? Because last time Josh spoke, I got bullied. Josh is driving the bus. (gasps) Recline that sofa and loosen that tie. Because this is mismanaged. Welcome to Mismanaged, a weekly podcast where we kick back and criticize the failings of paid sports professionals while also offering them foolproof solutions to all their management woes. I'm Austin Egan. I'm Josh Fleasy. And I'm Nathaniel Westover. Let's get into it. This week, we are talking the NFL. Warning to any and all Los Angeles Rams fans. You may want to cover your ears. Or just keep praying that this Matt Stafford works out because it'd be a tragedy to waste this defense. Yeah. They got such a scary defense. Yeah. Best D lineman in the league. Best corner in the league. Pretty good linebackers in between there. Oh, yeah. It's the only reason they're starting Andy Dalton and the Bears week one, because they play Rams. Yeah. And they'll just usher Fields (laughs) in in week two when they play Cincinnati. Yeah. Week two is not a bad time, but I'll talk about that later. Yeah. Oh? Yeah, I don't know. Matt Nagy seems pretty confident. In the (laughs) red rifle. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So this week, we are traveling back to the early 1990s in Los Angeles, California. Woo! Picture it. The sun, the fashion, the fashion, the drugs that I'm sure were rampant on the streets of Los Angeles. I was going to say rampant. Thank you. Oh. Uh, the Los Angeles Rams had not yet made their exodus to St. Louis. Nice. They were wearing their bright, bright yellow and blue uniforms, and their performance on the football field left a lot to be desired. Oh. In 1992, the Rams had a record of 6-10, and 10, which earned them the 10th overall pick in the 1993 NFL Draft. 6-10 and is not a, an awful record to have the 10th. I feel like... Divisions feel... were weird back then. There were yeah, so many yeah, teams. I mean, you see a lot of 6-win, 7-win, 5-win in that area, so it probably all clogs it up. Mm-hmm. But they got pushed to... The traffic raiders. jam, like in L.A., traffic, you know... We all live in big cities. Gridlock. Well, it's not on a grid. <laughs> uh, traffic jam. Now that first try. It was mine. Continue. Yep. Uh, the Rams used their pick on a bruising running back from Notre Dame, Jerome Bettis. Hey, I know him. Yes. Many do. He's the Hall of Famer in this story that we're talking about. The J. Rome Bettis? The bus? Yes. Gus the Bus? No. <laughs> he had a different nickname in L.A., but we'll get to that. Bettis' first year with the Fighting Irish was in 1990. That year, he only totaled 15 carries, but they were for 115 yards and a touchdown. So oh, shoot. Whenever they handed him the ball, it kind of worked out. <laughs> uh, he took over as the lead back in 1991 and had 168 carries for 972 yards and 16 touchdowns, as well as 17 receptions for 190 yards and four more touchdowns. Nice. All right. Notre Dame capped off that season with a win in the Sugar Bowl over the Florida Gators. <laughs> back when bowl games, you know, were meant something. Mad. And Notre Dame wasn't a disappointment. <laughs> uh, in 92... 
uh, Bettis's final year in college. He had 154 carries for 825 yards and 10 touchdowns, along with 15 catches for 239 yards and 6 touchdowns. In his final college game, he rushed 20 times for 75 yards, 2 touchdowns, and snagged a 26-yard touchdown pass in the Cotton Bowl. As Notre Dame crushed Texas A&M 28-3. Ooh, nice. Yeah. So as far as taking a running back in the first round goes, Bettis had a pretty good resume. Yeah. Pretty good. Yeah, I mean, normally you don't want to take a running back in the first round. Oh, I never condone it. Unless you're, like, picking last and yeah. you need it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like the worked only out. piece you need. But Aiden Tomlinson was drafted in the first round. That's the only one I can think of off the top of my head. Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson, probably. Yeah. If I had to put money on it. Um, but yeah, I'm sure there are a lot of a bus. There are a lot of modern. There. Yeah, there are a lot of modern examples, but it's so hard to say if they have the longevity. Mm. So. Yep. So when Bettis arrived in Los Angeles, he immediately made an impact. He flourished in the rush-heavy offense designed by head coach Chuck Knox. The Rams got crushed by the Packers in their first game of 93, but they bounced back against the Pittsburgh Steelers, shutting them out en route to a 27 to nothing win. Bettis had 16 rushing attempts for 76 yards and a touchdown in this game. And for those of you who know where this story is going, you will know why that footnote is important. Uh, Bettis became the starter after just six games and earned himself the nickname, The Battering Ram. Ah, it really rolls off the tongue. <laughs> a pun on their mascot. Mm-hmm. Clever. And how Bettis ran the ball by just hitting people. Yeah, no, he just ran people through. Yep. Like a battering ram. <sighs> yeah. The walls are the defense, and he's the battering ram. You don't use a battering ram on walls, dummy. Yeah, I guess it is doors. The defense is doors. Well, then just open them. Okay. Be an offensive batter. coordinator. I uh, should have been. <laughs> uh, Bettis rushed for 1,429 yards his rookie season, which was good enough for second in the NFL behind Dallas's Emmett Smith. Oof. Bettis was named a first-team All-Pro, the only rookie that year, and he won Offensive Rookie of the Year. And despite Bettis's incredible year, the Rams only won five games because Classic. it's football. And having one good player will not save your team. Especially if that player's a running back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the 1994 season was dominated by talk of relocation. The Rams were in talks with uh, both Baltimore and St. Louis. Plus, there was a Save the Rams group going around trying to keep the Rams in L.A. But eventually, it was announced that the Rams would be leaving for St. Louis in 1995. This resulted in the Los Angeles fans immediately giving up on the franchise Attendances were at an all-time low, and the Rams' performance on the field didn't do much to improve attendance either. Aside from another 1,000-yard season and a second Pro Bowl for Bettis, the Rams were miserable. They missed the playoffs for the fifth consecutive year with a record of 4-12. And And at Mm. the end of the year, both head coach Chuck Knox and GM John Shaw were fired. Yeah. Yeah, just clean the whole house. If you move in city, just burn it all down. Yeah. Going yeah. four and twelve will do that to you. Start fresh. It's a revitalizing fire that burns a franchise. It's like a, a Viking funeral. Just burn the whole thing down. Burn the Vikings down. <laughs> Josh's hot take. There we go. Uh the Rams 
found a new GM in Steve Ortmeier and a new head coach in Rich Brooks to go along with their new city, the new shining city of St. Louis. With those golden arches. <laughs> with the one, one arch. The one silver arch they have. Well, they had two, but then they got sued by McDonald's. Yeah. Corporate America. I know. <laughs> so Rich Brooks had some new ideas for his offense. He wanted to get away from the power run game and install the flashy, new, pass-oriented offense. Throwing the ball <laughs> yeah. in my football game? Yeah, I mean, Never would I have ever thought about it. I mean, they're gearing up for the greatest show on turf here, so... <laughs> yeah, just give them another five years, they'll get there. <laughs> they'll get there. Kurt Warner, what are you doing? Bagging groceries? Maybe not with this coach. I'm not sure who their coach was. No. <laughs> He's setting the stage. He's not this guy. <laughs> He's not this guy. Uh, this was reflected in Bettis' role on the team as he went from 294 and 319 rushes in the 93 and 94 campaign to a measly 183 carries in 1995. He would only tally 637 yards and three touchdowns that year. And after the season, Brooks asked Bettis if he wanted to transition to fullback for the 1996 season, or if he would prefer to be traded. Yeah, if you're going to give an option, I would say <laughs> I'd like to leave, hey, please. Hey, I know you're a two-time Pro Bowler and you're th- and or yeah, two-time Pro Bowler and you're three years here. But what have you played the least important position on offense? You just the least important, the least name important. a name a least least important position than fullback on offense. Right guard. Uh, I still think you need him. No, nope. I feel like no, if you remove. Two. Even no, then, it's a, no Aaron Hernandez was very important. <laughs> oh, we probably have to do a podcast on him at some point. Yeah, but is that really mismanagement? No. It's, well... No, I'm sure there's something in there. Yeah, we'll figure something out. <laughs> <laughs> we'll let you do it. Uh, where was I? Oh, uh, he has to be traded. Yes. Well, he was given the option of fullback. Yeah, I think he has to be the fullback. <laughs> fullback or traded. And then he became the fullback, and he became the most prolific fullback of all time. The end. Franco Harris. <laughs> so Bettis thought he had more left in the tank, but Brooks wasn't convinced. And after their 7-9 season in 1995, the Rams were looking for another running back in the first round. And it turns out they had somebody in mind. Nebraska running back Lawrence Phillips. So before the draft on April 20th, 1996, the Rams traded Jerome Bettis and a 1996 third-round pick to the Pittsburgh Steelers for a 96 second and a 97 fourth. So overall, the deal itself is already pretty lame. I mean, the Rams move up one round in 96 and caught a fourth in 97 for a young two-time Pro Bowl running back. Yeah, that's a choice. It's not a lot. Yeah, he's no. in his like fourth season. Like this trade happens today. Like you're you're looking at a fourth and a future or a first and a future second. Yeah, probably uh, definitely more than more than what they got. Uh, but to be fair, they thought they had already found Bettis's replacement. So let's talk about that replacement. Let's introduce Lawrence Phillips. Lawrence of Los Angeles. Have you guys heard of Lawrence Phillips? I've not at all. Well. Get ready for craziness. Uh, Lawrence Phillips came off the bench his freshman year at Nebraska, but he shined when given the chance, so by the start of his sophomore season, he was set as the Cornhuskers' lead back. Good for him. Can we just talk about the Cornhuskers I for really a moment? I don't want to. <laughs> Ever since, it always scarred me 
playing NCAA's mascot mode. Yes, it was so oh. scary. And then the corn huskers are just ugh. ugh. Boilermakers. <laughs> uh he rushed for one thousand seven hundred and twenty two yards that year, and his performance in the nineteen ninety four Orange Bowl was key to Nebraska completing its undefeated season and winning the national championship. Less than two weeks after the national championship game, Phillips pleaded not guilty to charges of assault, vandalism, and disturbing the peace. All right. Oh, no. The charges came from an incident in March of 1994 where Lawrence was accused of grabbing another college student, quote, around the neck, unquote. Don't worry. It wasn't by the neck. It was by the throat. (laughs) Very different. This minor incident did not derail Phillips' football career. Uh, he was an early frontrunner for the Heisman in 1995, when after just two games, he was averaging 11 yards a carry and had scored six, six touchdowns. Yeah, I'd say that's... Oh. Yes. Yes. But all that Heisman talk came to an end on September 10th, 1995, when just hours from getting back after a road game, Lawrence broke into the apartment building of his ex-girlfriend by scaling the outside of the building and entering the third floor apartment through some sliding glass doors. He then assaulted this girl... Uh, including dragging her out of the apartment by her hair and down three flights of stairs before ramming her head into a mailbox. Oh my gosh. What the heck? Just bring the mailbox with you. <laughs> What's what your plan? What are you doing? The worst. Uh, Lawrence was arrested. Obviously. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, you mean for the crime? Yes, for the crime he committed. And suspended from football by head coach Tom Osborne. Good call, Tom. Good. That's right. Yeah. Good call. I said suspended. After a six-game suspension, Phillips would be reinstated to the Nebraska football team. See, I thought it was going to be, like, a suspension, and then he was going to be, like, and the NCAA would come down and be like, all right, now we're giving our own. Because I'm like, mm-hmm. this is the coach suspension be like, let's give the NCAA time to look at nope. this. the NCAA is a joke. It has never been a good organization ever. <laughs> NCAA is like, oh, yeah, no, that's <laughs> normal. Oh, oh, you don't even say it. Okay, all right. So despite pressure from the national media, because obviously... Osborne named Phillips the starter for the Fiesta Bowl that year, where number one Nebraska beat number two Florida in the national championship. Gross. Yes. Also, Florida's getting beat up in this story. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, Florida. Uh, Lawrence chose to opt out of his final year at Nebraska and instead head for the NFL. So no one questioned that Phillips was one of the most talented players in the 1996 draft class, but as far as off-the-field issues go, you can't get much worse than what Phillips had done. Like, that should yeah. be a red flag on everybody's draft board. Didn't bother the Bengals. Ooh. Sorry, Bengals. Ooh. We'll talk about you at some point. A lot of analysis thought that the newly minted Baltimore Ravens would take Phillips with the fourth spot to fill their need at running back, but the Ravens came out and openly said that they would not be drafting Lawrence. Oh, so Good job, Baltimore. Good, good, good on you, Baltimore. They wait for the assaultists. They'll, they'll get their criminals the someday. Yeah, all of them. <laughs> Every the single Who's your team's player. quarterback? I don't know. Mason Rudolph? Known hey. assaulty. No assaulty. <laughs> and Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, alleged known assaulter. Alleged. Yeah, allegedly. That's you know, when you emphasize there. alleged, it does make him sound guilty. <laughs> Sounds guiltier. <laughs> yeah, it's like, alleged. <laughs> that just means you, you did something scummy to get away with it. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, but the, yeah, the Ravens said they weren't going to draft him. Uh, and they obviously made the right choice as they drafted Hall of Famer Jonathan Ogden at that spot instead. Mm. All time. 
So this let Lawrence drop ever so slightly to the Rams, where Ortmeier took him sixth overall. Wow, that's high. Higher than Bettis. And yeah. you know the name of this podcast, so you know how well that worked out. Ooh-wee. So who did the Rams take with the picks that they got from Pittsburgh? Oh, people good, probably. Oh, so good. The Rams drafted a tight end from Washington with the second-round pick named Ernie Conwell. Oh, yeah. And with the fourth-round pick in 1997, they took TCU guard Ryan Tucker. Both players had just average, solid NFL careers. Conwell played uh, 11 seasons with the Rams and Saints and finished his career with 203 receptions for 2,188 yards and 15 touchdowns. And Tucker played 12 years for the Rams and Browns, starting 102 out of 134 games. Not really a lot of, you know, stats for linemen, but starting games is good. Yeah, starting games is pretty much their main stat, <laughs> especially around this era before they started actually. And if you didn't start 32 games in your career, that means you're probably not that great. Yeah. Uh, the Steelers used that third-round pick on linebacker Stephen Conley. Conley had a largely forgettable career, only nothing. only starting one game in three years. So if anybody was a bust out of those three, it was the Steelers pick. So Aww. we can still hate on the Steelers a little bit. <laughs> Classic Pittsburgh. Have they ever had anyone good? Yeah, draft a good linebacker. Why don't you? We'll find one again. <laughs> again? I say you have... A pretty good up-and-comer now. Yeah, I know. You have a lot of good linebackers. That's <sighs> fine. I'm not there. So Jerome Bettis arrived in Pittsburgh and immediately returned to form. Turned out when you you know gave him the ball, he was good at running it. Yeah. So he had 320 carries for 1,431 yards and 11 touchdowns. He returned to the first-team All-Pro list and made his first AFC Pro Bowl. Nice. Good for him. And he was given the nickname The Bus for his ability to carry multiple defenders with him while he carried the football down the field. Pretty clever. He was also pretty big. He's a big boy. Oh, he's a big boy. There's a reason they tried boss. to make him a fullback. Yeah. yeah. He would go on to play the next 10 seasons for the Steelers, racking up 3,479 carries and 13,662 career yards, which was good for fifth all-time at the time of his retirement. He scored 91 touchdowns and caught 200 passes for 1,449 yards and three receiving touchdowns. He also threw three career touchdown passes. And in 2005, his final season, Bettis won his first and only Super Bowl. He was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2015. Woo! So pr- pretty good pretty good career. I would say so. Pretty, yeah. pretty good return on investment for a second and a fourth round pick. Yes. Apt. Not Apt bad for analysis. running back who the original team decided, yeah, his career's about to wrap up. <laughs> Not bad for a running back. He's done. Running back, running back, running back. Mm-hmm. Oh, All right, God. so what happened to Bettis' successor, Lawrence Phillips? What kind of career did he have? Something dumb, probably. Uh, well, consider his off-field issues to start and then get sadder. In 1996, Phillips played in 15 games for the Rams, starting 11 of them. He had 193 carries for 632 yards and four touchdowns. Pretty all right. Not incredible, but all right. In 97, Phillips surpassed all of those numbers in just 10 games and nine starts. He had 201 rushes for 677 yards and eight scores, but it all came crashing down. On November 20th, 1997, when the Rams abruptly cut Phillips. 
At the time, the Rams told media that Coach Dick Vermeil had informed Phillips that he was going, he was being demoted to second string because of inconsistent play. Uh, Phillips stormed out of the facility and skipped practice, leading to him being cut. In the 2016 documentary, Running for His Life, The Lawrence Phillips Story, Vermeil talked about what really happened. According to Vermeil, Phillips collapsed during warm-ups of the 10th game of the season in 1997. Trainers told Vermeil that Phillips had alcohol in his breath and that this wasn't the first time he'd been found like this. Allegedly, Phillips would stay out until 4 in the morning on nights before games, getting oh. absolutely plastered. Oh, buddy, no. Oh, no. So Vermeil called Phillips into his office that Monday and told him he was cut. Yeah. Ooh-wee. Second season. Uh, Phillips was picked up by the Miami Dolphins after being cut by the Rams, where he had 18 carries for 44 yards over two games before being cut by the Dolphins when he pleaded no contest to assaulting a woman in a nightclub in Florida. Ah, because honestly, I don't know what you're thinking of the Dolphins. If the guy was having trouble with alcoholism and getting in trouble in St. Louis, (laughs) what do you think is going to happen in In Miami? Miami? Nothing but good things. Only good things happen All in Miami. great things, yeah. Maybe they thought he was only drinking because, <laughs> because of St. Louis. You know what? That actually makes a lot of sense. I would talk myself into it. <laughs> uh, Phillips missed all of the 1998 season, but attempted to come back in 1999 with NFL Europe. Ooh. He set a bunch of records while playing for the Barcelona Dragons. Oh, great squad. I'm a big Dragons <laughs> fan. Yeah. I have one of their jerseys at home. That would be cool. I'll take three. Uh, <laughs> it was enough to get the attention of a few NFL teams, including oh. the San Francisco 49ers, who signed Phillips in the fall of 1999. He managed to stay out of trouble off the field, but there were some on-field concerns. Turns out his blocking was so bad that he was hardly ever on the field in passing situations. Ooh, Tim Tebow. Mm, R.I.P. Tim Tebow. You'll go play another sport. Maybe pro wrestling's the next turn for Tim Tebow. Tebow would be an amazing wrestler. Yes. yes. And if he just stays in Jacksonville, AEW is right there, owned by the Jags owners. That's, That's where the they move. do their Yeah. That's the move. Go, go talk to Tony Khan. You'll be, yeah. Yeah, you could write some great scripts around him. And then break into the movies. <gasps> the Rock Method. The Rock and Method. And John Cena. And... Dave Bautista. Yeah, I knew there was another one. That's true. I forgot. Yeah, he did a bunch of movies. Doesn't even count. <laughs> <at> all of <laughs> his weird movies. movies. You have to have at least a few good ones. Oh, that's true. Uh, so Phillips's bad blocking was exemplified when, while playing the Cardinals in Week Three, Phillips failed to play, pick up cornerback uh, Aeneas Williams, who landed a devastating blow on Steve Young. Young was knocked unconscious on the play, and the resulting concussion took him out for the season and eventually led to his retirement later that year. Oh, oh my so, God. <laughs> This man retired Steve Young! He did. By missing a block. Oh, no. But that'll do it. Oh, no. Uh, by November, Phillips was constantly fighting with coaches and skipping practices. Eventually, the 49ers got fed up and cut Phillips for behavior detrimental to the team. That sure. makes sense, yes. Phillips would go on to play two seasons in the Canadian Football League. He helped the Montreal Alouettes win the Grey Cup in 2002, and Montreal released him before the 2003 season when it came out that he was charged with sexual assault. Oh my god, this guy. And people keep signing him. 
He signed briefly with the Calgary, Calgary Stampeders before he was released once again after arguing with the coach. Good lord. Oh, it gets even worse. So that was it for Lawrence's football career, but you have to mention what took place shortly after, as tragic and messed up as it is. On August 21st, 2005, Phillips was arrested for assault after driving his car into three teenagers in L.A. after a dispute about a pickup football game. What? How? Yeah. How upset do you have to be about a pickup football game that you try to run over people with your car? Oh, teenagers? Teenagers! They're kids! (sighs) I mean, they're teenagers. They probably deserved it. Right? (laughs) (laughs) Teenagers are the worst. I mean, you're probably not wrong. They're definitely egging him on. Oh, Oh, yeah. Like that video of the kid at Cam's camp. (laughs) Yeah. Like, kids know what they're doing. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no. We don't condone violence, even against teenagers. Uh, So it turns out Lawrence was already wanted by San Diego and L.A. police for separate domestic abuse cases. In 2006, Phillips stood trial for felony assault with a deadly weapon for the August 21st incident and was sentenced to 10 years in California State Prison, but that was later reduced to seven. For the domestic abuse cases, Phillips was sentenced to 25 years in December of 2009. Uh, At some point, Phillips had a cellmate named Damien Seward who was actually a cousin of former NFL receiver R.J. Soward. Damien Soward was serving an 82-year-to-life sentence for murder when on April 12, 2015, he was found dead in the cell he shared with Phillips, choked to death. Oh, my. I told you, it gets dark. What the heck? Phillips was charged with first-degree murder on September 1, 2015. On November 9th, the prosecutor was granted permission to seek the death penalty. But on January 12th, 2016, while awaiting trial, Phillips was found dead in his cell. He had committed suicide at the age of 40. What? So the same year that Bettis gets enshrined in the Hall of Fame, Phillips commits suicide. Oh, my God. Right? Oh, no. So tragic. Uh, So that is the awful and tragic saga of how the Rams traded away a a Hall of Fame running back for two players with okay careers, all the while putting their faith in a deeply troubled replacement. Quick shout out to Cameron De Silva from Rams Wire and Dale Gerdnick. He didn't have enough vowels in his name for it to be possible. I think it was a typo. It's a cool last name. But if it's not, G R D N I C. Gerdnick. Gerdnick from SB Nations Behind the Steel Curtain for their articles on the trade and, of course, Wikipedia. Bless. Bless up, Wiki. Donate. Donate to Wikipedia. Otherwise, a lot of people would not have careers. Or college degrees. Woo! But now that we've presented one of the worst moves in NFL history, we will be presenting our own proposals, suggestions, advice, comments, if you will. concerns, comments, concerns musings. To those GMs we believe need our help to make their decisions. Westover, you are first. Oh, Pick us off. Congratulations. All right. Speech. <laughs> this week I'm addressing. He's so unprepared. <laughs> This week I'm addressing GM of the Jacksonville Jaguars, Trent Balk. Yeah, Trent. The experiment has come to an end. No. Tebow has been cut. No. Not surprising after your first preseason game ended with more blooper reels of him blocking versus highlights of the rest of your rookies playing. Blocking's hard. Your current starting tight end is Chris Manahertz. Who? Who has a career... Manahertz. (laughs) (laughs) To be in Jacksonville. I'm going to pick him up in fantasy, and I'm changing my team name. (laughs) (laughs) 
He has a career 142 yards and one touchdown in six seasons. But how many catches? Just one. One catch for 100 and whatever yards and one touchdown. That'd be awesome. That'd be wild. <laughs> you ran circles around some people. You need to find someone who can do more for you and your young offense. You don't even need to leave the state to find a better replacement. My suggestion is trading for tight end O.J. Howard in Tampa. <laughs> Robert Kudinkowski. It's a move. It's a move. <laughs> While he has a history of injuries, he is stuck behind Cambray and Gronk, and he's a solid blocker in the final year of his contract. So you can probably acquire him for a little bit more on the cheap side and give him a prove-it year with the possibility of an extension depending on how the season goes. Dangle that carrot. I think he can be had for a sixth-round pick, and you've got two of them. So you can make a deal with either one. <gasps> Nice. I like that a lot. Yeah, I support you and the decisions you've made. Or go get who's that one guy from? Who's that one from Cleveland? Uh, oh, Najee. Uh, David Njoku. Njoku. It was reported that he was happy again. Oh. So he's like, he's like, I'm good in Cleveland, even though Austin Hooper's sitting there going, I'm the number one tight end, sucker. Yeah. They're paying me more. <laughs> So my dear GM this week goes out to NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell. Ooh, Retire! Big shot, big shot. Rog, my man, the NFL preseason is not particularly interesting. Even diehard fans rarely take the time out of their busy schedules to watch these exhibition games. The only thing worth discussing, other than the injuries, of course, have been the sudden increase in taunting penalties. Mm. Ooh, look, I get it. You don't want incidents like Antoine Winfield and... Tyree killed from this past Super Bowl becoming like everyday occurrences. I do want that actually. Yeah, actually, that'd be kind of fun. But flagging someone when they flex to the cameras after a big play is kind of ridiculous. He carried like six people. Exactly. I'm writing to you because uh, it can't continue like this in the regular season or, God forbid, the playoffs. Let the players be excited and flex and dance a little while they're out there. Right? Who? Why? Why would you be mad? Three pumps. If they hurt themselves doing the discount double check, like that one dude did like three years ago, that's on them. That's hilarious. <laughs> it helps get the fans into the rush and emotion of your sport. There's nothing like celebrating with your favorite player when they make a big play for your team, and there's something to be said about rooting against an opposing player who's trashing your team. Trust me, as a Raiders fan, it is often the latter. But either way, let the players and the fans have some fun out there, Raj. Let them play, Raph. Let the kids play. Let the kids play. This week I'm addressing GM of the Bears. The Bears. Ryan Pace. Ryan, you and your buddy Matt Nagy reside on the hottest of seats entering this season. You have to show ownership something or your days on the lake are numbered. Fortunately, you drafted an absolute collegiate stud in Justin Fields. Good job. And if his preseason is any indication, he's going to be a stud at the professional level as well. Here's your problem. It sounds like you plan on starting Andy Dalton and bringing Fields along slowly. Red rifle. That would be a mistake. Aww. The start of your schedule is just hard enough that Dalton losing games would be excused, and just easy enough that winning will further his case to say as a starter. But that will get you about a 2-2 two and two record heading into an absolute gauntlet consisting of games against the Packers, Bucks, Niners, Steelers, and Ravens. All bad teams. You'll slide into a losing season and out of a job before you know it. <laughs> if you start Justin Fields, you may not win those games, but he'll be better prepared and will be able to energize the fan base and quite possibly extend your lifeline. 
unless he gets blown up. Maybe Alan Robinson stays. Mm, maybe. I think it's all on Darnell Mooney now. Anything is possible. No, not anything. <laughs> Michael Thomas, don't be a bear. That would be great. Michael Thomas should be a Packer. That'd be gross. That would be gross. No one wants it, but hey. He should be a Raider. He should. Let's I'd all just say him. our teams. I'd take it. He should be a <laughs> My wide receiver uh, group isn't so good. That you I'd just got Perriman. He's, he's a linebacker. linebacker. <laughs> yeah, put him out there. Okay. See what he's got. You guys have enough linebackers. You put Perriman out there. <laughs> Nathan Peterman, you're the starter. Get out there, buddy. And then you put, um, what's his face? What's your, Henry Ruggs, corner. Ooh, so speedy. I'm here for Can't Gruden anyone. to just two switch players. everyone. <laughs> Everyone's Shohei Otani. Everyone should be a two-way player. Perriman that gets interceptions, right? Yeah, no, he's a coverage back. Okay, uh, that's what I thought. Cause you... <laughs> okay, it was just the... Uh, oh, fine, fine. You fine. good? We're fine. Are we good? <sighs> we is are. Is this the last episode? This is the pod. Okay. And that was the pod. <laughs> and this is the end of the episode. Cool, we made it. Sorry for that. <sighs> Finally. If you enjoyed this or any of our other episodes, please remember to give us a like or a follow. Maybe even leave a review. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you may listen to your podcasts. In the words of Hall of Famer Jerome Bettis, quote, You want bold? Ask the hundreds of defensive backs I've ran over during my career if they think I'm bold. Unquote. Yeah! Yeah, Wester would love that. Bus, 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 ground. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, and remember, this was mismanaged. See ya!